0: Hello and welcome to another episode of the Lost Teams podcast. I'm your co-host, Anthony Cerdelli, here with my other co-host, Andrew Lennox. Andrew, how's it going?
1: I'm doing well, Anthony. How you doing, man?
0: I'm doing good, doing good. Got some excellent teams on deck. I think both of us have some real good ones, so I'm excited. Yeah, it should be fun. So who are, who are you going to tell us about today? Who's, uh, wh- what team and sport and league? Well, I decided to switch it up this
1: week. Um, you know, we've focused so far on basketball, football, hockey, and baseball. Um, this week, I'm doing a soccer team, actually.
0: Oh, very interesting. I'm uh, I'm excited to hear this because I'm guessing early iterations of professional soccer in the United States were kind of a joke.
1: Yeah, it was. I mean, this, this league was considered a second division. Oh, Wow. Um, but I mean, I, I bet like if it was in
0: Europe, it'd probably be like a fourth or fifth division. So hey, who knows? I heard Arsenal might get relegated in the Premier from the Premier League. So uh, no kidding, they're that yeah. bad. Yeah, apparently this year, I don't know. I just saw a headline on my phone. So maybe the crazy. Maybe they'd beat Arsenal. Yeah, <laughs> I doubt it. Highly. <laughs> be uh, yeah, it'd be a slaughter.
1: Um. Cool. So yeah. So I actually uh, the team that I am. I researched is, um, the name they're, they're called the Chicago cats, hmm. um, which is a pretty unique name. Just um, cats.
0: Nothing, nothing like, nothing like mountain, like tiger cats or something, just cats. Tigers, nothing like that. <laughs> yeah. Just cats. And the, the, I looked up the
1: logo. It's a pretty crazy logo. It's, uh, it, I think you actually coined the, 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 what the logo looked like. It looks like a hello kitty logo.
0: It does. I was. I saw that. We're, I'll post that up on our Instagram uh, for social media. Maybe for the um, when I post a couple quotes up there. But it does. It looks like the Hello Kitty logo. And I looked up when Hello Kitty came out. Hello yeah. Kitty came out a year before the Chicago Cats were founded. So I wonder if uh, if their owner or somebody was like a an early adopter of the Hello Kitty. <laughs> look
1: yeah who knows uh, it's uh, yeah it's uh, as i said very unique it's a massive cat's head with like a a human body a little human body <laughs>
0: <connected>. <laughs> that's ridiculous yeah
1: so anyway back on track here um so uh this team the chicago cats were actually in a, as i said a, a second division um league um they they completed competed in the american soccer league um, and I'll go into more in-depth about the American Soccer League in a second here. Um, they relocated from Gary, Indiana, where they were called the um, Gary Tigers or also the Indiana Tigers at one time, too. Uh, the um, Going into the league a little bit here, the American Soccer League started in 1933 and ceased operations in 1983. So the league was around a long time, 50 years. I mean – yeah. In those days, you know, with soccer not being po- really popular in the U.S. at all, I mean, it's pretty impressive.
0: Yeah. Can I go back to the nickname for a sec? <laughs> sure. And they were called the Gary Tigers, and they moved to Chicago, and the owner was like, cats. Like, not yeah. going gonna to keep them as the Tigers. Like, just, I like cats. We'll do cats.
1: Yeah. Yeah. So, the, the Tigers would, I, I don't know. I, I think I would like the
0: Tiger name a bit better, but. Yeah. Hey.
1: uh yeah, so yeah, but his unique name, as we've talked about already, um, yeah. So the the American Soccer League was around for fifty years, um, and they ceased operations in nineteen eighty three. Um, so there was a, another league that they were competing with, the the North American Soccer League, and unfortunately, they were no match with that league on the fin- financially. Um, the NASL would often basically post players from the ASL um, just by offering them more money and players would the better players would jump over to the NASL um, the The ASL also had trouble drawing international players, limiting the amount of foreign players would. Um, draw att- more attention to the league. So basically, keeping the team all American players. But I mean, they had a few, but as far as I know, I think the NASL didn't really have a cap on foreign players. The NASL had like Pele playing that league at the end of his career. The league operated prim- primarily in the Northeast of the U.S. Uh, and then um, in 1972, the league expanded to the Midwest and also added some teams on the West Coast under a new. Commissioner, legendary basketball player Bob Cousy.
0: What? <laughs> well, yeah. Why? Why? Uh,
1: the explanation coming up is pretty, there's not much of an explanation to it. But like, I budget. have a great quote from Bob. <sighs> it was about getting the job as a commissioner. Um, he said, I need some full time employment. It was the first opportunity that came along to
0: me th- to remain in sports and i took it <laughs> like he won i looked at him i think he won six nba championships it's like come on you That's gotta excellent <laughs> yeah you got, and you get a job in the nba no seriously he's a hollow he's a basketball hall of famer like what's he did he just gamble all his money away like we got to look into that further sometime yeah for sure he
1: was act, as commissioner of this league he was paid fifty thousand a year
0: Wow, that's got to be I wonder how many of the how much the players were making. Like $5 a week probably. Jeez. <laughs> God, like what? That is cool. Yeah. yeah. He he basically
1: he basically took all the revenue that the league made yeah. for his
0: salary. If and they I'm made, not I'm, I'm I don't not... think
1: they made any revenue though.
0: And I'm not saying he's not making any money. I mean, he's making a ton of money for a second tier so- to be commissioner of a second tier soccer league. That's like, that's basically like in the U S rec- <laughs> yeah. He's basically like a rec league director. <laughs> yeah. So, uh,
1: yeah, crazy. Um, so Coozy was tasked with expanding the league and announced on April 10th, 1975, the ASL would have a team in the windy city named the Chicago cats. Um, <laughs> They believe it or not, they played their first home game 16 days later.
0: Oh boy, that is
1: pretty quick. (laughs) Quick turnaround there. They played their home games at Handsome Stadium, which was an Astros turfed high school football field.
0: Was everybody just, like, we we talk about so many of these teams springing up in the 70s, like the WHA and then this team, like, with complete lack of preparation. Like, do you think they're just all, like, on cocaine? Like, yeah, we we could totally start a soccer team. Yeah, we'll just get some guys together. I know some good guys. Like, they got my drug connection, too. I'll just let them play, and then they'll give me drugs. Yeah, I, I don't know. And I don't know if it was just, like, an experimental time. Like,
1: guys with money were just like, oh, let's start a professional sports franchise and see where it goes even though two of my buddies' franchises
0: failed last year, you know? (laughs) Yeah, buy low, but then spend all your money and go to business.
1: Yeah, it makes – yeah, and it seems like it's a lot of this takes place in the 70s, as you said. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah, so interesting times, the 70s.
0: (laughs) Those are my two favorite – like, we'll get into my team, obviously, later, but those are kind of my two favorite times to cover teams because, like, the 70s, everybody was doing drugs and, like, just had ridiculous ideas about what would be successful. And like the turn of the century, like early 1900s was just the wild west for professional sports. So just weird stuff happened. So those are like the two best time periods. Definitely.
1: Um, The club's ownership group was headed by a local dentist in Chicago by the name of Ernest Panos. Ernest penis? (laughs) No, Panos. (laughs) (laughs) He's a real penis. Yeah uh in uh nineteen seventy five the cats first season um they had a record of seven ten and three um which uh you know was last would be the last place um position now what's that let me start over on that mm-hmm. which would make them the last in the a s l s midwest division they were l- led by pete Carantos as he had five goals and seven assists only.
0: Mm, wow, that's not good. Did they? Yeah, have to- not
1: good at all. And I, I couldn't find much information on Pistol Pete here, but <laughs> um, yeah, five goals and seven assists. I mean, I know soccer, there's not a lot of scoring, but this still, I mean, 20 games, that's
0: not very good. No. They were probably scoring one goal a game. <laughs> I saw... I don't know if I think they played, they played two seasons, right? Uh, Yes, two seasons. I think it was their second one. I think they said 21 goals in 25 games, which I'm going to be honest. I've watched some soccer. That doesn't seem, I mean, it's bad. Like, less than a goal a game is bad, but like, it is soccer. (laughs) Like, a couple zeros. I've been to a couple zero zero ties. I think both professional soccer games I went to were zero zero
1: ties. No kidding. But
0: continue, sorry.
1: nil-nil, you should say.
0: Yes, excuse me, soccer aficionados. Nil-nil. I watched the game on the pitch. It was nil-nil. There were some good strikes there. (laughs) Yep. My side didn't win. (laughs) That's funny. Um, The ASL,
1: the next season, there wasn't too much information on what happened that first season, but as the the next season started, um, the Chicago Cats were still in the league, the ASL um they had a much different league landscape though um adding five teams to a west division uh in california utah and washington i think there was a couple teams in california one in la and i believe they were called the aztecs Hmm. and um so yeah the the league tried to grow a little bit um The team was also coached by George Meyer uh, who coached the Chicago Mustangs of the North American soccer league, a franchise that dissolved in 1968. So they had already tried soccer, professional soccer in Chicago in the sixties, but obviously it didn't work out. Just, just seems like a bad choice to make this team. from the. It just seems like over and over again, like they try, like they'll try as we talked about before, like a hockey team one place and it doesn't work. Oh, let's bring another team in <laughs> 2 years later. We, just didn't, work that, again.
0: we you know? just didn't have the right mix of people. It's like no, the fans don't like watching your sport. Yeah, right. So, um, as I said the franchise dissolved the
1: Chicago Mustangs. Meyer took over as manager of the Cats and the Cats only scored 25 goals in 21 matches. Um which I that doesn't sound good to me. I don't, I'm not, I do not know a ton about soccer, but um, they were a defensive specialist team. Apparently though, um, because they were able to compile a regular season record of 10, eight and three. Um, they tied with the Cleveland uh, Cobras for third place in the East division. And after that, it gets a little, a little wacky. Um, this is when they had to decide what they were going to do with these two teams tied to see who goes in the playoffs. So, per the Cats owner Ernest Panos, Commissioner Cousy demanded that the Cats and Cobras play an extra match, giving the club a one day notice to schedule the match. <laughs> and this was to determine the final playoff spot.
0: First of all, they don't have a, they don't, they didn't come up with a tiebreaker. Like when they invented the league, there's no, yeah. it's just like, they didn't think about that. It's friggin' soccer. they they tie every game. Right. <laughs> and they had to, I mean, I'm
1: just speculating, but they had to schedule around, uh you know, high school football games.
0: Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> You're right. Those have first priority. Oh man. That is just, that is just low. That's tough. Right. Um.
1: So the, <laughs> the cats management failed to respond resulting
0: in Koozie declaring a forfeit oh big big bob showing his fancy soccer britches just putting his foot down right ruling the league with an iron fist yeah
1: the so the the cleveland is that the right saying iron fist yeah, yeah. Right. right yeah uh, so this result in the cleveland uh, cobras advancing into the playoffs Panis, panos <laughs> i almost said that uh, panos <laughs> the team's owner was furious and in an interview with nails F- filario of the chicago news journal um that took place on april 26 1976 called the playoff fiasco
0: quote A vert vertible watergate of soccer <laughs> God, it's like what nope, I, that's not even true because like it's it's a second division league in the United States, like the hand the, what was it the um the Maradona goal the, the the hand of God, where he like puts his head in front of his his forehead and heads it in basically with a handball like that's the veritable Watergate of soccer. This is not
1: <laughs> Yeah, exactly. <laughs> second tier league let's yeah. let's get realistic. in the United here. States
0: Panos. in the United States,
1: yes. Yeah. I I mean, I don't think, well, I mean, it's obviously soccer's gotten really big in the U S with the MLS and just more kids playing. um, But in the seventies, come on.
0: Yeah. It's like 45 years ago.
1: Right. The, (laughs) the interview resulted in Kuzi suspending Panos from the league. (laughs) Just kicked out. Yeah. (laughs) Then in October of 1976, Panos filed a $1 million lawsuit against Kuzi in the ASL.
0: Dismissed by the judge or what?
1: Uh, I wasn't able to find anything on the results of the lawsuit, (laughs) but the Cats soon folded after the lawsuit was filed. Ah, I'm guessing
0: they lost. Right. Yeah, Yeah,
1: if he had had made that million dollars, I mean, they'd be the toast of the town in Chicago.
0: (laughs) Yeah, they could move right over to the Premier League and go play in England.
1: They could maybe average 500 fans a game. (laughs) <laughs> anyways um or play in a stadium that could hold 500 fans a game uh so the um yeah so it was you know this franchise didn't have yeah i mean they were an average team on the on the pitch but off the field it or off the pitch it didn't uh, work out too well for the team um going back in the the asl there was some really unique team names uh, in its 50-year history, um, including the Jacksonville T-Men, um, the, Phil- the the Pennsylvania Stoners. Oh, man. Yeah. <laughs> the Oklahoma City Slickers. Oh, there you go. Yep. Uh, that's a pretty cool name. Mm-hmm. Uh, the New York – I'm sorry, Newark Ukrainian Sitch, also known as the – New Newark Ukrainians. Wow. Brooklyn Italians who still exist.
0: That is just race. That is straight up. i just kidding. Right. Really it keeps going.
1: <laughs> wow. The, the Philadelphia German American.
0: Okay. They're, clearly, to, they're like, to clearly. They're trying to clearly. Sorry to interrupt. They're clearly they're trying pro- to aso- associate their teams with like countries that are good at soccer.
1: Right. Well, our, our back that these were. This was in the early days of the league, so I'm sure these teams, I mean, I'm not completely sure, but I'm sure some of these teams were just immigrants, Yeah,
0: right? Yeah, yeah. No, I, they're probably that from that nationality. If it were the 70s, it'd be like, just call our name, just relate our name to whatever t- team in Europe is good, and we'll just call right. ourselves that.
1: <laughs> so the Philadelphia German-American who became the, who would eventually become the Urich Truckers, because they were bought by a a truncate company. I guess it was called Uric. Another team, the Brooklyn Hispano, and then the Kearney Scots, who were originally known as the Scots Americans. Interesting. Yeah, this league, as I said, struggled to keep up with the North American Soccer League. And, I mean, there were some other leagues that formed after. But, you know, all these leagues helped to uh, probably build soccer a little bit more in the United States that, you know, resulted in the major league soccer um, being so successful and they've built quite a following in that league.
0: Yeah. I mean, it's probably true. If you think about it, like we've talked about early baseball leagues and early basketball leagues, like this is, this is basically the equivalent of all those small leagues in like the 1880s and 1890s. And then finally, like, if you want to equate the MLS to like the early national league where, it wasn't huge and then it blows up and maybe in the, maybe in the future the MLS will be someday one of the world's premier soccer leagues. Um, It's definitely getting better.
1: Yeah. You never know. I mean, they, they get some pretty decent players over. It seems like it's still guys that are at the end of their European careers, but um, who knows it might change.
0: Yeah. Um, Do you want to hear my favorite quote about this team that I saw? Yeah. I found on Wikipedia. (laughs) So this is, this is from Wikipedia. It's, it's, I think they cite a couple um, New York times articles by this guy with the last name, Yanis kind of covering the, the, uh, the league, but it's despite his, uh, (laughs) excuse me, Despite his unfamiliarity with the sport, Cousy was appointed commissioner of the American Soccer League on December 19, 1974. His most notable act as commissioner was to declare the New York Apollo and the Boston Astros co-champions after both teams played 67 minutes of extra time without resolution in the second and deciding leg of the league's championship series on September 20th, <laughs> 1975. He was relieved so that- of his... Oh, go ahead. Sorry. This is the best part. He was relieved of his duties December 1st, 1979. Pennsylvania Stoners club owner, Willie Ehrlich, explained the dismissal by stating, quote, after five years as commissioner, Kuzi still goes around telling people he knows nothing about soccer. (laughs) That's (laughs) hilarious. That's so so good. That's funny that I I did read
1: that in um, an article I found um, in that. I'll go into my sources here now. I actually read uh, the information you just mentioned in one of my sources. Um, it was soccer jobs uh, gives koozie sports role. And that was in the uh, New York times by Alex Yanis. One of my other sources was fun while it And then I, as I mentioned earlier, um, there was an interview with nails Florio of the Chicago news journal on August
0: 26, 1976. Awesome. Interesting. So that's it for the cats, huh? And that's the Chicago cats. All right. Well, that was uh, certainly really interesting. I I hope no Chicago cats fans. If there's anyone out there, uh, that still exists a couple, you know, there's a couple diehards. Yeah. Hopefully you guys are not offended. um, But that definitely was a mess of a, a franchise for sure. Uh, uh, I don't think there's anything to be offended about. <laughs> no. <laughs> they no, tried definitely. they tried to make a
1: go of it. The uh yeah. the um the, what was his name? Panos. Ernest yeah. Panos. He Dr. Tried. Ernest Panos, I should say. He was a dentist.
0: Hopefully it was a nice down home dentist, family dentist business that continued for, right. to make him successful for after the after the cats were uh, done. Um But my team, I'm going to talk about. This is actually after researching them, one of my favorite teams that we've done so far, probably my favorite. It's a early NFL team called the Frankfurt Yellow Jackets out of Philadelphia, Pennsylvania. Uh,
1: Okay,
0: this has for some reason I
1: was thinking Germany or
0: something. (laughs) Oh, close
1: the World Football League.
0: Frankfurt. Uh, Oh, the NFL Europe. Yeah, NFL Europe, what
1: am I yeah. talking about? NFL Europe, there was a team in Frankfurt. I can't remember what they were called.
0: Yeah, we'll, we can hopefully do the NFL Europe one day. But uh, this Frankfurt Yellow Jackets, Frank Ford Yellow Jackets team has got everything. Success, failure, awesome nicknames, ridiculous streaks. Like, get ready for a roller coaster ride. <laughs> All right. <laughs> All right. So my sources were um, the Frankfurt Yellow Jackets History by Sports.com. Bent But Not Broke, The Evolution of NFL Rules on NFL.com, and Queens of the Gridiron, The women and Girls of Tackle Football, and that's by David Jackson. Um, and I don't want to ruin where that's going, but it's – Yeah,
1: I, I <laughs> was a little surprised by that source, but let's see where it goes.
0: It's pretty interesting. So the Frankfurt Yellow Jackets were founded in 1899. They were part of the NFL from 1924 to 1931. But they were founded as part of basically an athletic association in the Frankfurt neighborhood of Philadelphia, which I guess it's a neighborhood or an area. Like a suburb or something. Yeah. They played their games at Frankfurt Stadium during their NFL tenure. Before I go into the Yellow Jackets, though, I'm going to talk a little bit about the NFL, the early NFL, kind of like we did with the early NBA in previous sports. The Yellow Jackets technically predate the NFL, so they're older than the NFL. Um, The NFL was founded in 1920. It it called itself the AFPA, which stood for the American Professional Football Association. Oh, cool. Yeah. When it started in 1920, it was comprised – this is funny too. It was comprised of five teams from Ohio, the Akron Pros, the Canton Bulldogs, the Cleveland Tigers, the Columbus Panhandlers, and the Dayton Triangles, which is just – Panhandlers? (laughs) Panhandlers and triangles. Triangles. They didn't want to be called the squares. Um,
1: that's interesting because, um, yeah, as most people know, football is just huge in Ohio, so yeah, that's pretty cool. And the yeah. football uh, hall of fames there, the
0: NFL, football exactly. I think that's it's Canton, right? Yeah, Canton. Yep. Um, so there were four teams from Illinois the Chicago Tigers, the Decatur Stanleys, which were one of only two of the founding teams that still exists today. The Decatur Stanleys became the Chicago Bears. the Racing Cardinals, which became the Chicago Cardinals and then eventually the Arizona Cardinals, uh, and the the Rock Island Independents. There were two teams from Indiana, the Hammond Pros and the Muncie Flyers, and then two teams from New York, the Buffalo All-Americans and the Rochester Jeffersons. Finally, there was one team in Michigan called the Detroit Herald. So those were the founding teams of the NFL. Um, Yeah.
1: uh, Cool names.
0: Yeah, have very weird nicknames, and it'll continue to get weirder.
1: Have you noticed with all these old leagues, there's always a team called the Americans?
0: Yeah, that's just got to be patriotic right. and unoriginal. Right. So the NFL changed its name to the National Football League for the 1922 season. Only two of those teams remain, like I said, the Bears and the Cardinals in their current form. This is way before the NFL merger. So there was no official championship game for the NFL. Definitely no Super Bowl, but it was just like a lot of leagues did. The best record won the championship from the regular season.
1: Did they wear those leather helmets, you think?
0: I think this was the Leatherhead era. I'm pretty sure. (laughs) Uh, The Yellow Jackets joined in 1924. Uh, obviously four years after the league was founded. But, um, and just before I go into the Yellow Jackets, the rules of football were pretty different. They were based on the college game until 1936. And I'm not going to go into how the rules were totally different. There wasn't a lot of passing going on
1: you can, similar to rugby probably right
0: yeah and and you can go and find a very interesting article about the timeline of the, the changes in professional football at the www.rockislandindependence.com/rules which is just a good timeline of when the rules changed okay so uh back to the yellow jackets they were formed as part of the frankfurt athletic association which was basically a sports club co- club that had baseball team they had a soccer team speaking of soccer way mm-hmm. early like in 190 this is like 1910s their early days they were non-profit so they donated all their proceeds to charity unfortunately nice. yeah it's crazy right now no and they they and like i said these, i don't think at that point they were professional a professional like ownership group or whatever you call it it was just a recreational thing where where they for, they founded a bunch of different sports teams but they disbanded in 1909 some of the original players from their football team kept the team together and then re and then basically started a new team called the Yellow Jackets in nineteen twelve. Okay. They stayed together until nineteen twenty when they beat the Union Quakers of Philadelphia to win the unofficial championship of Philadelphia. And basically at this point, they had the reputation of being one of the best independent football teams in the nation. So Sounds like it. Yeah, they were not to be messed with, which is why, of course, they joined the NFL in nineteen twenty-four. Um Speaking of that nickname game we played the last episode, we have another awesome nickname. The first coach in Yellow Jackets NFL history was named Punk Berryman.
1: Punk Berryman.
0: Punk Berryman, like punk the type of music. Berryman. Yeah, yeah.
1: That has uh, to be obviously a nickname, but or maybe it was a birth name. I no, it
0: was, a, it was a nick. His full name was Robert Norman Punk Berryman. So okay. Uh pretty but pretty pretty they, cool name.
1: They, they had a wild punk scene back then, I heard.
0: Yeah, for sure. Big <laughs> all their leather helmets wore lots of leather and just beat the crap out of each other. Right. So the Yellow Jackets played fifteen to twenty games per season, which when you think about how many how much time has gone by, basically a century, that's not that much different from today. I mean, they get a sixteen game regular season. And if if you make the if you make the playoffs as a wild card in the NFL these days and make it to the Super Bowl, that's twenty games. So mm-hmm. Not a lot has changed in that kind of vein like it has in baseball and hockey and sports like that. They went 17-3-1 in their first season. so That's great. Pretty damn good. 13-7 in their second season, and this is where kind of the controversy starts. This is interesting. So in 1925, and and their second season I believe was 1925, they were not amongst the top teams in the league, Uh, but they played at the championship of the NFL – Came down to the best record between the Potts, Pottsville Maroons and I think it was the Chicago Bears at that point. Pottsville, where's that? Pottsville was I think it's, gotta it's be the, somewhere. I right? think it's Pennsylvania. Let's see. I'm pretty sure Pottsville Maroons are uh from Pennsylvania because this is kind of where the uh kind of where the problem started. Yeah, they're okay. from Pottsville, Pennsylvania. Um, so the Pottsville Maroons played a exhibition game in Philadelphia, a non-league game, which I guess was against the Yellow Jackets' territorial rights being part of the NFL. So they basically asked the NFL to suspend the Pottsville Maroons, which the NFL did, and that gave – actually, I think it was the Cardinals the championship because then they had the best record in the league. So the reason they were suspended was because they played the University of Notre Dame All-Stars, which brings me to my least favorite – debate sports debate of all time would the best team in college football beat the worst team in the nfl back then they actually had a kind of a way to test it out uh unfortunately it got the pottsville Maroons suspended from the league so so they
1: weren't called the fighting irish at that time
0: they were I, and, oh, okay. and and this might be totally wrong I don't it was the Notre Dame all-stars I clicked on the when I was looking through Wikipedia I clicked on the link and it brought me to the University of Notre Dame football team so I assume it was the, the college Notre Dame football team sure. um, but like it's just stupid like it, it's like asking would Alabama or LSU beat the Jets or the Jacksonville Jaguars this year and it's like why would we, it's just frustrating because we'll never find out like right why would the NFL ever let their teams and their basically brand be Makes varnished sense. yeah and then imagine if the college football team beat an nfl team then the ncaa would kind of not have an excuse to be like well we're not perfect you're not professionals." like
1: right it's like just, it's like the debate that's constantly going on who's better um michael jordan or lebron james yeah they played in different eras yeah <laughs> Yeah, like it's uh, I mean, I don't know. It's always going on. But, but like similar. I said,
0: this is this is one of my favorite eras of sports because stuff like that happened. So, yeah. Um, but to continue the story of the Pottsville Maroons, they were kicked out of the NFL. But then the NFL let them back in the next year because they were worried at this point, the AFL was started. They were worried the Maroons were going to switch to the AFL. So the NFL let them back in. But uh, the Chicago Cardinals, the racing Cardinals back then, Won the championship because the Maroons, who had the best record, were kicked out of the league momentarily. And so the 1926 season for the Frankfurt Yellow Jackets was pretty amazing. They absolutely destroyed their competition. They had a whole bunch of shutouts. They shut out one team 45 to nothing, who wow. they were called the Atlantic City Roses. So <laughs> not bad. I mean, just terrible for a nickname. They beat the <laughs> Buffalo Rangers 30 to nothing during the season. Huh. They had a game canceled due to wet grounds, which, as hard as everybody feels like back then, football was just like take no prisoners sport that had no, basically no pads, that are wearing leather helmets. Like, yeah. I can't ever see, unless the field was totally underwater, I can't see an NFL game being canceled for that reason these days.
1: And I, I can't imagine the condition of the fields were uh,
0: very good. Back no, then. So <laughs> no, not at all. I mean, <laughs> guys are
1: just twisting ankles left and right if they. It, If they played, I bet.
0: I'm sure. And they probably stayed in the game. Yeah. Um, They split a weekend season, or weekend series against a team, which is is maybe my favorite team nickname in this whole thing, the Providence Steamrollers, which uh, reminds me of that old George Carlin bit about license plate mottos, where he's like, well, you've got Idaho, which says famous potatoes on it. And then you've got New Hampshire, which says live free or die. It's like, you've got the Atlantic City Roses and then yeah. you've got the Providence Steamrollers. Like that's like an XFL team name. Yeah, it really is. It's so good. I I, I would I would be a Steamrollers fan if they still existed. <laughs> uh,
1: yeah. I, I haven't heard any modern day Steamroller. I don't even know if like I've ever heard uh, high school.
0: I didn't even know they had steamrollers back then. Yeah. Uh, anyway. Back then they played on Thanksgiving as well. The yellow jackets beat the green Bay Packers in
1: 1926, 20 to 14. Oh, the Packers are coming. Yeah.
0: In to play. Yeah. By this point, the Packers had joined the league. They played against each other on Thanksgiving for the next five straight years. Mm. That 1926 win uh, was partially the re- result of a touchdown pass from another two excellent nicknames, John Hust Stockton, uh, completed a pass in the end zone to Henry Two Bits Holman, just known as Two Bits Holman. <laughs> yes. and, and Two Bits has an amazing, amazing urban legend tied to him, or a myth. They, this okay. is unconfirmed. Uh, but apparently he was the first person to celebrate touchdowns. Oh. And, and this is a quote. He held onto the ball, shook his teammates' hands, and then the officials' hands before he handed the ball back to the official. Which is just
1: what a gentleman.
0: <laughs> what a ge- can you imagine? Just like the old news, news footage from back then. I don't even know if they had. I think they had. They had movies back then, but like the old like camera reel that you see back in like the Charlie Chaplin days, yeah. where everything's kind of like in fast forward and moving a little bit quicker. Just yeah. like him going from person to person, quickly shaking their hands. Yeah, like,
1: he was a showboat.
0: He was that a era. show. Was show I'd almost rather just think how long that would take. I would be so pissed if I was the other team. I'd be like, are you, are you kidding me right now? This is going to take 10 minutes. There's 40 people on a football team. <laughs> Probably back then. There's more now. But uh, What
1: would he say when he shook everyone's head? Oh,
0: good day, sir. Oh, thank you for refereeing my <laughs> football game. I had the good fortune of scoring a touchdown. <laughs> yeah, uh, all but, polite. Yeah. Um, but, like, I'd almost rather watch the whole Randy – randy moss mooning incident or the i I love that
1: classic nfl celebration for sure
0: yeah or the guy who was the guy a couple years ago who pantomime peeing on the uh touchdown marker was that t was that um
1: well teal stood on on the uh, dallas stars logo remember
0: yeah the the cowboys yeah dallas stars wow we're hockey guys here we just remember hockey
1: dallas cowboys
0: um who, no, but wasn't it o- Odell Beckham Jr. who like fake peed on the touchdown marker?
1: Yeah, I think it was him. Yeah.
0: That's just that I'd rather see that than this whole handshaking business. Yeah. Save it for after the game. <laughs> um, but their, uh, their final game. He was a ga- true
1: sportsman, man. He
0: was. He wasn't too bit along. Tr- two bit, <laughs> bit homin. They probably <laughs> called him Two Bit for his, his, the, his touchdown celebration was too showy. Right. Uh, so the final game of that 1926 season. Saw the Yellow Jackets play their rival who they screwed out of a championship, the Pottsville Maroons. Uh oh. So talk about billboard material, like Pottsville Maroons in their locker room. Like these these freaking guys ratted on us to the league and ratted us out of a championship and we had to go to the almost had to go to the AFL. Like yeah. Um
1: you know but, there was no swearing either.
0: Yeah. Just the like- gosh darn NFL. <laughs> <laughs> uh so the Yellow Jackets ended up tying the Maroons 0-0. Zero to zero. Oh, boy. <laughs> In the final game to determine the championship. Can you imagine
1: watching that?
0: It would have been awful.
1: Nil-nil. <laughs> just, they called it nil-nil back then.
0: No, they were, probably, they were probably I'm murdering each other. No, it's, it's just like soccer. Yeah. Um, but that ended their season with a final record of 14-1-2. Nice. Which was Not good bad. for Yeah, it was good for the NFL championship. The most wins, and also the most wins an NFL team would accumulate in a regular season until 1972 when the Dolphins tied that record during their undefeated Super Bowl winning season. It wouldn't be broken until Joe Montana and the San Francisco 49ers broke it in 1984 going 15-1-0. So, not bad. Not a bad legacy to have. Great legacy. Um, Unfortunately, this is when things started going downhill. The Yellow Jackets president another great nickname, Theodore The Holden. So it's like the only, only just the. Uh, <laughs> the the wow. Holden and head coach Guy Chamberlain both stepped down. So was they it wasn't Guy like, Chamberlain? Maybe it was Guy. <laughs> maybe in Montreal it was <laughs> Guy Chamberlain. Who knows? Uh, but maybe they, they wanted to retire on top apparently, so they stepped down after that season and things just plummeted. But here comes my second favorite part of this article. Or of this kind of podcast. They had a revolving door of coaches for the next three years, 1927 through basically the end of their, uh, end of their existence in 1931. In 1927, they hired a gentleman by the name of Charlie Moran. Uh, mm-hmm. They wanted him to take over for Chamberlain, but he had to be replaced during the 1920 season when he left to, and, and Wikipedia says, officiate in quotes, but I'm guessing they mean umpire. The 1927 World Series between the New York Yankees and the Pittsburgh Pirates—that is unreal. Like that's hilarious. Professional football coach leaves, like Bill Belichick, just leaves to go <laughs> umpire the World Series. He would do that. Bill Belichick would totally do that too. He's
1: like, "Hey boys, I can't uh, coach his 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 pep talks. Like, hey boys, I can't coach right now. I need to go umpire the World Series."
0: Uh, seriously, but like looking back on this World Series, like. I don't blame him actually. If you think about where the two sports were back then, like, oh, yeah, baseball, major league baseball so was more popular then. yeah, it was big business already. And football clearly was still kind of fighting its way to right. uh, the attention of Americans. Um, but like, this Charlie Moran guy is like the Forrest Gump of sports, like, he. The 1927 World Series featured the 1927 Yankees, which is widely considered the best baseball team of all time. They had Babe Ruth and Lou Gehrig on their team. Mm -hmm. That's also the year that Ruth came out, hit a 60 home run, broke the record hit 60 home runs in the regular season. Like, I actually think I would do that too. I'd be like, you know what? I'm going to go take a literally behind the catcher seat from in this World Series and watch Babe Ruth and Lou Gehrig. Win a World he, Series?
1: Yeah, he's like, fuck it, I don't want to watch games that are zero zero.
0: <laughs> yeah, did you guys tie the championship game? Like, basically more or less zero to zero. I'm gonna go. Yeah. I'm gonna go umpire um, the World Series. <laughs> <laughs> right. Um, but unfortunately, uh, things didn't get much better. They had one bounce back season in 1928. They went 11 three and two. Unfortunately, they couldn't best the record of the steamroller, so they didn't win the title in nineteen twenty nine they went nine four and five, so things are still going downhill. Mm-hmm. Uh, the depression really impacted the yellow jackets. They had a ten game losing streak at to start the thirties. basically, they replaced their whole team with rookies. they sold off all their veterans. they
1: okay. probably
0: got like a bale of hay or something for it yeah, yeah, uh, not much in order tough to break back then. yeah, tough times um. In order to break their losing streak, they basically bought out another NFL team, the Minneapolis Red Jackets. Who, uh, I they have a depressing history of their own. We might want to touch on that sometime in the future. But basically, part of the reason they folded was because it rained during every single one of their home games, and no fans went
1: for the Red Jackets.
0: Yeah, it just That's they literally crazy. talk about a cursed team, like just yeah. brutal. Uh, So continuing with the Yellow Jackets, in their final season in 1931, Yellow Jackets Field, uh, called Frankfurt Stadium, nearly burned to the ground, which forced them to play all their games in other parts of Philadelphia. They then were converted to a travel team by the NFL in the hopes that they'd save the money somehow, which I don't know why traveling is less expensive than staying in your own field. Eventually, they folded, but not before they had two wins. Actually, one win came in 1931. The other one came a few years before that started. Just very ridiculous, sad streaks. So they beat the Chicago Bears 13-12 to 12 in 1931 in what would be not only their only win, but the only game they actually scored in. Oh, boy. Yeah, and that was the so last...
1: Go ahead. This this club just unfortunately just fell apart just yeah. through time. Let's that
0: plummeted through the floor they but that win in uh it was an away win in chicago it was the last win any philadelphia nfl team had so the eagles basically plus mm-hmm. them in chicago for 68 years it wasn't broken until the eagles beat the chicago's at at soldier field in 1999
1: 68 years 68 and in
0: 1999 yeah and it gets worse so in 1928 yeah. they beat the green bay packers also an away game No Philadelphia team would win in Green Bay, I believe, until 1979. So that's 58 years. Wow. Yeah, it's just not good. Uh, The team folded, and this is where things, the team folded in 1931. It took the NFL two years to put another team in Philadelphia when, Mm -hmm. in 1933, our old friend Ludley, a.k.a. Lud Ray, and Burt Bell... He's back. Lud Ray and Burt Bell bought the rights to the Philadelphia NFL franchise and founded the Eagles, who still exists today. Uh, fly Eagles, fly! So, yeah, that was the uh, the story of the Frankfurt Yellow Jackets. But here's where the women's football thing comes in. So, okay. the Frankfurt Yellow Jackets, uh, on top of having quite a roller coaster history and including it, and and a successful one. Also, were the first team to feature women's football in recorded history. So they really? had they had women play against each other at halftime in 1926, I think it was. I might be wrong on that date. So that's
1: that's crazy. Like, it, especially yeah, especially in those times, like I would have no idea. Like,
0: yeah, that, that, it's insane. That's a Good fun. Yeah, and there's another one. They also uh, we talked about in this episode that we released recently: the Washington Capitals basketball team breaking the color barrier. Yeah. The uh the yellow jackets featured the first i I don't know if this is technically breaking the color barrier but it is it is definitely a a, a landmark thing they had the first latino player when in 1927 they had a gentleman by the name of ignacio malinette who was a cuban-born fullback halfback and quarterback play for their team so uh that's pretty cool i mean if i were (laughs) before the, the eagles won the Super Bowl back over the Patriots, unfortunately, mm-hmm. uh, a few years ago. I don't know. I'd be like, I'm a Frankfurt Yellow Jackets fan. They haven't existed for a hundred years, but uh <laughs> no, just kidding. Uh but it's, it's a cool it's a very cool team. They had so like just so many interesting things go on with their history and their uh kind of
1: some really awesome tidbits. Just
0: yeah. I'm a big I'm a big fan of the late Philadelphia Frankfurt Yellow Jackets, excuse me.
1: Yeah, no, it's Really, uh, quite the unique history they have, um, especially as you mentioned with um, the Latino player, um, and then also just having women play at halftime.
0: Yeah, yeah, it's uh, it's it's interesting. Um, but uh, I think that'll do it. Any, anything you want to add?
1: No, that this I think uh, this episode went awesome. It it was two teams that no one probably knew about. So. Yeah.
0: Yeah. Um, Where can everybody find you once again on your social media and projects you're working on and stuff
1: like that? Uh, You can find me on Twitter at A-W-L-E-N-N, A-W-L-N. And then currently I'm not really working on anything, just uh, waiting for the hockey season to start.
0: Absolutely. And uh, you can find me as always at my Twitter, Delhi Tweets. That's D-E-L-L-I-T-W-E-E-T-S. Please give us some feedback on the podcast. If you want to save us from our sad existence and win that contest that we put out a couple weeks ago. Cause nobody's entered. Uh, you get an awesome LA blades t-shirt uh, from our first episode that we talked about that uh, you want to listen to the first episode. If you want to know about the LA blades, also please tell your friends about this podcast. We rely on word of mouth and, and social media and stuff. So if you enjoy our podcast, you know, someone who likes it, please, uh, send them over the word and also just give us a rating give us review dm us some feedback we'd love to hear about teams you want us to cover things we could do better uh and then you can also follow me on instagram at media Delhi uh, as well and you can give us feedback there but uh yeah have a uh, have a good week and and thanks for listening thanks guys shout out to belgium <laughs> yeah shout out to belgium our super fan in belgium <laughs> <laughs>